0: This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults.
1: Welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. My name is Hannah Scott. I'm a Research and Development Officer at of Research in Practice, and I'm also a qualified social worker. And I've previously worked in child protection roles. I'm delighted to be talking to Laura today, who is a parent who has had experience of working with social care with pre proceedings and also in the family court and she's going to share her experience today and some key messages for social workers in supporting families through this process so hi Laura thank you for joining me today it'd be great if you could just start by giving us just a really short introduction to yourself and what your um, experiences have, have been if that's okay
0: and Laura and um, I've been a child in care myself growing up I've had um, court proceedings with all my children and um, I've had positive experiences and negative experiences.
1: I think I'm right that you've had experiences that maybe children haven't remained in your care but you've also got your daughter that's in your care now so you've had those two different experiences of, of court proceedings with different outcomes is that right? Yes. So if we start by um, sort of talking about the the, the before court part, um, I th- did you go through the, the PLO or the, sort of the pre-proceedings process before going into court?
0: So with my first children, yeah, I went through the PLO process because I started off with child protection first and then the child protection wasn't working. So then they did a PLO meeting. And then decided
1: to go to court. So that was that your first sort of insight into sort of the the legal processes that and and the court processes then for, that the the social workers follow.
0: Yeah.
1: So how did that feel for you to find out that you were going into into pre proceedings? Do you remember the conversations that were held at the time, or and how you responded to that?
0: Um, well, I was a looked after child myself, so I. I've always had meetings and stuff, so I didn't realize how um, serious it was. I just thought, okay, it's just another meeting, you know, And then when I received the letter, um, like stating like what the meeting's actually about and stuff, like it was a really scary experience.
1: Mm. And how did that reading that letter feel? Because we know those letters can be quite strongly worded. How did that feel to you as a parent and also, you said you were, you were in care at the time as well, so quite a young parent. How did that feel to get that letter?
0: It was really scary because like they acted like I did something wrong and I was in trouble about something. And um, I don't know, being a, pa- a young parent, especially looked after parent, like social services is not really like a big support for you. So seeing that, like I, I wasn't prepared. For like how I was gonna feel, I didn't get no support in it. So the wording were in red, like um, bold writing, and like for example, I think it said, "If you don't attend this meeting, we'll have the meeting without you and take it to court." Um, but you must come to this meeting. Something along them lines. They just listed all the negative stuff I did. Um, and why they wanted to take it to pre, um, proceedings. And they just made me feel like I was a monster, like I was such a bad person, like I'm more concerned about um, the welfare of your children and um, something about safeguarding and stuff. So it was just, a, it wasn't nice just reading all of that in the letter without someone explaining to you
1: is there anything that you think could have been done differently within that, that pre proceedings process that may have helped avoid court for you and have that different outcome?
0: Originally, why I went into uh, child protection and I was in a domestic violence relationship. So, what they did a PLO meeting because they found out I was still seeing my partner when they told me not to. Even though it was an abusive relationship, I was 16 at the time and he was older. I feel like they should have understood where like I was coming from and more support on my side is needed to help me come out of that relationship. So I could have put my kids first. But I was a kid myself. So telling a 16-year-old, you must leave your boyfriend, it's like um a teenage rebellious thing it's just like why are you telling me to leave who I'm with and I'm really young so I feel like they should have had more understanding and more support
1: and it's it must have felt like quite a difficult dynamic as well with social care being the people sending those letters and and raising those concerns about your parenting but also being the corporate parent to you as a child in care as well did that affect the relationships that you had with your own social workers at the time?
0: I don't think they were really supportive. Like, they kind of, like, pushed me over to, like, the social services who um, were looking after the kids. So it was really hard. Um, I feel like they should have gave a voice to me a bit more as well, my social service team, like and explained, because the whole point was that... Um, they said I lied about being in a relationship, but it's like I'm 16. Like, it's like, us as, if you think of a 16-year-old as a teenager, you would. Like, I could look at my um, child now and I'd be like, OK, you could lie about something like that because you don't want to get in trouble. It's not like my age now. You know, it's different, you know? So I felt like my um, social services team could have been more supportive.
1: So when the decision was made to go to court then um how how did you become aware of that how did that make you feel and and did you receive all the all the paperwork to go through because that that's a huge part of the court
0: process so
1: could could you just talk me through a little bit about how that experience was for you
0: I had two different experiences um when i was younger i think things were a bit different so they i think it was better so they Um, let me know at the PLO meeting that we was going to court. So it was just like, okay, I understood. And then I understood that I was going to get a letter and stuff. Um, So that was a bit easier to handle because I knew where I stood. But then with my second child, it was like they told me over the phone and we'll go and court. And then I got a letter, like not even from the postman, from a delivery courier service, like serving me with a notice to go to court felt really really horrible because it was just like oh my gosh I thought it was just what you see on tv and stuff I didn't know that they actually do that so
1: yeah so that second time had nobody given you sort of a heads up or warning that that was happening or talked you through it beforehand
0: originally I needed support and I've grown up in care so I haven't had a big support network of family so I went to social services and said like, I'm going through a lot can you just um, help the past like care for my son so they gave me a section 20 um and I thought okay they said when you're ready and you feel better um you can come arch him back and then all of a sudden I got served to go to court because they had other concerns so for me it was just that I come to you for support and like now you're trying to take him away from me
1: did you receive the paperwork for through, you know the legal bundles and all the assessments and the statements from, from the local authority? How did it feel when you got those?
0: My solicitor got everything because I had a solicitor to take me to the PLO meetings. But the second time I didn't get no paperwork until after court and they said that I needed to get a solicitor. That's when I got the paperwork.
1: So, did you have to attend court then, not having pre-read any of the paperwork or having those sort of detailed conversations about what the local authority were concerned about and what they were recommending?
0: Yeah, I had to go to court to find it out.
1: That must been a really difficult experience for you then.
0: Yeah, it was. It was horrible because it was just like I come for support and now it's just all like gone back in my face. And if I did have a wider support network, like family to have him, I wouldn't have gone to social
1: services. In terms of, sort of learning then for social workers, I presume a, a, a recommendation that you would have wanted to give in that situation is making sure that you had time to understand and see the information beforehand. Would that have been more helpful for you?
0: Yes, definitely. And to actually let parents know what you're thinking and planning, like, or have a meeting with a parent before, especially in that circumstances where a parent has come to for support because you guys say come to us when you need support and help but then you don't want it thrown back in your face so if they do want parents to be open and honest they have to be open and honest.
1: Is that where then looking at the two experiences that you've had the pre-proceedings process was difficult but maybe quite helpful for you because it, you, it enabled you to be in that forum of having advice and having clear and open conversations?
0: Yeah, because I already knew what their concerns were. I knew what I was in for. I knew that they wanted to go to court, even though it was hard. Like I knew some of the stuff they said I could do to prove that I am capable. So like, I was like, my first court process was a lot easier, even though the outcome wasn't great, but it was a lot easier to understand.
1: And when you did receive the court paperwork, What did it feel like having a look at that and were were you able to understand what was being said in that and and did the paperwork reflect the conversations that you were having with with people at the time?
0: Um, No, on the paperwork it made me look like I was just the worst person because it highlighted so many negatives. Um, When I was younger I think I was more emotional because it was like, why are you not saying any of the positive things about me? Like... Like, I remember going through the paperwork and it would be like, oh, can I take care of the basic needs? I was just like, why do you have to use basic? Why can't you, like, basic just looks like, you know, like, oh, just yeah, just the everyday need. Basic is cooking, cleaning, making sure they're content. That's not a basic need. Like, little words was upsetting me in the paperwork, but then all the negative things.
1: I think that's a really interesting reflection you've made, actually, because... Basic need is a term that a lot of social workers use. I, I have probably used it myself as a social worker before, but thinking about that really is, what does that mean? And yeah, how does that feel? Because basic isn't the nicest word. And like you said, there's a there's a lot more meaning behind that, isn't it? And sometimes that's what we need to say rather than relying on the terminology that we're all so used to. But parents aren't used to. And I think we can all be guilty of that sometimes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like the wordings and certain things, they need to change. Like, same thing, like, um, can parents meet the needs of the children look so much better than can parents meet the basic needs? Especially if you have a report that looks so negative about you. The good things you're doing is minimised. I just felt like reading the paperwork about myself, Um, my voice wasn't heard at all, like, So it was just like, okay, I need them to hear my voice a little bit, like see my personality a bit more, not just this paperwork, but just makes me look like just the worst human being. So, yeah, I asked the judge if I could, oh, can I send you pictures of our times together? Um, I started documenting stuff. I, I said, can I send you a letter I've sent? You don't really have a voice other than what the social services say.
1: And how did the judge respond to that then?
0: So the first letter, even though it was a bad outcome, they was really impressed because um, I remember when I was trying to fight for my kids, I got like, I got a job. They were really impressed with that. They were like, this is really good and amazing. But obviously the decision was, you know, because I didn't want to feel like I was trying to manipulate them, but I just wanted to see that, like them to see my character.
1: So even though the outcome wasn't a positive outcome for you, that you, you weren't able to care for your child at the end of the proceedings, it was still important. It sounds like it's still really important for you to have those positives recognized and to have your strengths, not just as a parent, but as a person recognised.
0: Definitely. And like getting the character references from work, I was just trying to show like how it looks in the paperwork and how people see me day-to-day life is completely different.
1: And who helped you prepare for court Um, and, you know, the the, the practicalities of attending and what to expect? And was there anything that was done in that preparation that was particularly helpful or unhelpful and that you would have liked to have happened?
0: The only support I really got was from my solicitor. I've had good experiences with solicitors and bad ones. So, like, my first solicitor was just amazing. Like, he was just a really good solicitor. And my second one, he was... I don't know, sometimes I felt like he was on the social worker side. Like, so it just depends. And so that being your only support makes the whole process really difficult.
1: Did you have the same solicitor at each court hearing? Um, or did you have different solicitors that um, you had to sort of introduce yourself to at each point? So I know that can be quite daunting for parents if they're attending course and they've got to try and recognise different faces.
0: My first is are... I had her, her colleague, so they're really trying to fight my case. So if she couldn't do something, she recommended her colleague who's got expertise in a certain thing. And then she she had a barrister try to kind of um, represent my case in court. So it depends on how they're doing. If they're doing, oh, I'm in today. Whatever it makes it harder, but then if they're doing it it's to try and fight your cases, it's nice because it's like, oh, you are actually trying to find the best to help my situation.
1: And were there any sort of surprises that you found in attending court? Anything that you expected to be different? Anything that you found? You know, be- both better or worse?
0: Like their recommendations sometimes changed. Like for example, they wanted to put me in a mother and baby unit. And at uh, first social services weren't agreeing with it, but originally that's what you agreed with. So it's just like, why don't you want to put me in a mother and baby unit? And then they used to talk about like um expense a lot, about the that's not my problem if the mother and baby is expensive. Like and the judge would say, Well, she needs a whole like three month, twelve week assessment. Why are you trying to cut it down? in a six-week assessment, that's not fair because of expense. So I I feel like social services shouldn't bring that topic into conversation.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a really important point that, you know, we know there's lots of financial pressures on social care, but it, families have got to come first. You don't want to hear a, a conversation about finance and money, do you? And do you remember if there were any, what we call, sort of kinship care assessments of, sort of family and friends completed during the, the proceedings so that there were family members that could either support you or to care for your
0: child yeah my children currently are on an SGO plan special guardianship yeah. order plan like they did the assessments I feel like I don't know they didn't really give the correct information about what support is actually available under that plan
1: yeah, so is that the support for you or for the, the SGO carer or
0: for both? How they make it sound is um, basically if everything's all good in the SGO, then if you want to get your kids back in the future and the guardian agrees with it, that's fine. Like, so it kind of makes you feel like, okay, I just need to fix some of my issues and just sort out my life and then I can get my kids back but it's not it's that I feel like they should have explained it more and how much power the um, special guardian actually does have over you.
1: So you would have found it helpful to have, again, those sort of transparent conversations about what the assessment was and what that would mean if that, that order was made then?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: And were you involved in those assessments at all? Or did you know? Did, um, did you were you able to share your views on the, the the person being assessed, or did you feel that was something that was done quite separately?
0: Yeah, everything was done separately. I just got the information from the, the person who was being assessed and just the outcome from the social worker. I didn't really get a proper. Like in depth, it's just that I should be able to read some of the stuff. Like, you know, you put in a report about this person, same way you give them the information about me and your concerns about me and why you want them to be the carer. I think it should work both ways.
1: So it would have been helpful for you to have more information that was shared within the assessment as well, not just about the assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When decisions were made about contact or family time did you feel that you were involved in those and that the, the right decisions were made looking at your child's time with you and with those wider family members? No. What would have been helpful to be done differently then to make sure that social workers are really thinking about promoting that quality family time?
0: Because you're in so much pressure especially if your child is in social services care you you just say yes to anything. So if they say four times a week at nine thirty, you're gonna be there. But it's just like every morning, I'm up in the morning at, and I'm at the contact center by nine thirty. Like you should give parents like options of timings and stuff because they're under so much like pressure and they're kind of scared of the situation. If you say eight o'clock in the morning, they're gonna be there, even if it's inconvenient for them. So I just feel like they should give options and not just like abuse their power because they know you're in that kind of scared and vulnerable kind of um, mind frame.
1: So you felt that you, you were given your time slot and that decision was made instead of it being a conversation about what would work for you as well and, and how to get the best out of, of you in that time together? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause nine thirty is like maybe if you, I don't know, I got an hour and a half. So why didn't you do it for like ten thirty? So then I could give him lunch, or we could have lunch together, or something, you know? Instead of um, it being so <laughs> early, and then you just feel like it's rushed, and yeah, but, and they didn't give you no options, and I wasn't gonna ask for any.
1: And during the court proceedings and and as those decisions were being made did you have to give evidence at all or did you have to did you watch other people giving evidence on your situation?
0: Both times all the evidence was given via
1: paperwork. So during the proceedings and with the, those assessments did you feel that your identity needs were recognised and you as an individual um, for example did you have any sort of support given to help understand paperwork if you found that difficult or detailed conversations about your ethnicity or culture or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I just, I had really, like my first one, I had a really good um, relationship with my solicitor, so that support was recognised, yeah.
1: And so at the end of proceedings then, and again, you've had obviously the experience of, of two different outcomes of proceedings How did it feel when those proceedings ended?
0: Um, They just left both times. They just leave you to it. And it's like um, such a high intensity rush process of information, meetings and stuff. It's like as soon as they leave, it's a real big like a drop because it's like, hold on. I was having contacts twice, three times a week. I was having a meeting every two weeks. I was having phone calls like every other day and stuff. So all of a sudden, like that has stopped. It's such, it really impacts you because it's just like, oh, is this what you could have done? And you've made me go through all of this. So yeah, it's really not a nice feeling.
1: Yeah. So even though the, the pressure of court proceedings wasn't easy, it suddenly stopping and not having that support sounds like it was quite difficult for you.
0: Yeah, of course. And it is a difficult for a lot of people because it's just like you can't just have such constant battling with parents and stuff and then you just leave. Like it's, it's not nice. It's just like at least have like a couple of follow up meetings um after, direct them to appropriate services, like if they need support, like, you know, just little things would help the process better.
1: Yeah, I think you were saying before about support with education and things to do with your time, yes. so that that void is filled would have been helpful.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: What would you say out of your, you know, your experiences were the things that really contributed to a positive outcome for you?
0: My supervision order. I had therapy for a whole year. What I really needed to. It really fast tracks everything because the waiting list for therapy on the normal it's like up to 36 months so having the social services on like board like really that like I got a therapist for fast and we did amazing work and yeah. like she's helped me a lot in my life so that was one of the main positive positives.
1: That's great to hear and um, was there anything that the local authority or the, the social workers did that were that you found particularly helpful?
0: It's like once you're in their good books, they really are supportive. It's like when they're fighting for their kids, it's like, your kids, sorry. Um, it's like, yeah, it's just a battle between you two. But then once you're fine and they know what the outcome is, they are actually are really supportive. Um, like, I remember on my supervision order, they'd ask me, like, how many meetings would be beneficial for me? what I needed if I needed anything you call us not we call you like it was such a big difference it was just like oh okay cool like to the point I started to worry if I didn't hear anything for so long I'm just like um, have I done anything wrong <laughs> and they're like no we'll just leave you you're doing well wow. so we don't but it's just it makes you anxious because you've had such like a battle with them so
1: yeah, so be, again, being informed and being able to make those decisions with them sounds like it was a really helpful experience for you and again, it helped you understand what was happening so when things go quiet, you you would have that reassurance.
0: Yeah, like, oh, well done. Um, and even a quick text or something, like, everything's looking good, like, you know, just a little reminder that everything is fine or just a little catch up. But once you, like, um go completely sli- like silent for a whole month, a parent naturally like worries like are they planning something is something going to be thrown in my face or you know because you've had that battle with them
1: what's the main piece of advice that you would want to give a social worker that may be attending court for one of the first times in their role or maybe a really experienced social worker and that are very used to it what what are the key messages
0: that you think that social workers need to know so I wrote a letter um to that like a social worker on the court staff it says dear social worker I just want to off start off by saying please judge us parents from what you see instead of the paperwork that you read having things written down can make us parents look worse than it actually seems and that causes tension in the working relationship before it even starts and the whole aim is to have a working relationship that does not fall apart to us parents, it feels like we will get attacked by dark because of all the things you read about us in the past. You social workers already intimidate us and we look at you like sharks because you have the power to move our hearts. Yes, our children are our heart. Us parents would love for you to be straightforward with us and honest so we can focus on the light of keeping our kids and keeping us out of the dark, not understanding the version of things that we did. There's always different versions of each story. Maybe put yourself in the parents' shoes. Maybe change the wording that you use because nothing is worse than being accused. Try and see from the parents' point of view because it's the child that will lose in the long run if the job is done wrong. I know this by growing up in care because even though I was removed from my mother, my life was still unfair because I didn't get the real care or unconditional love. No one beats the parent's love because the parent's love is like two white dogs. And parents will want to fight social services for their children, but it should not feel like a battle. It should feel like teamwork all the time, but we feel powerless. We feel like we're always under a test. We feel like less of a parent and that we have to prove that we love our kids more than you do. Did you know the whole experience of social services causes long-term trauma for a parent? After you leave, did you know all the assessment and the tests you put parents through cause pa- us constant self-doubt in our ability to parent? And we doubt if we're good enough in general. For our children, if we pass the pain of enough in general for our children, even if we pass the pain of the whole experience in, It does last whilst you guys move on with your life and still we still live with the guilt of our past. But you did not know that because you're there for the child. And I get that, but a parent is a big factor to the child. So parents need emotional support too. If a child could choose, I don't think they would want to lose their parent. More support is needed to understand and meet in the middle and given a chance to change because their kids' parents are willing to change. It's up to you, social services, to show them the right way.
1: That was really, really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a perfect note to end on. That really shares a, such an important insight from your experience with social workers and what they really need to be thinking about. they're going through those court processes and working with those families and those children so i just want to say a huge thank you for that for your time today
0: oh thank you thanks for listening to this research and practice podcast we hope you've enjoyed it why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Tweet us at Research IP.